You're listening to Lily's Legacy, a podcast series compiled from oral histories and produced as part of a digital exhibition exploring how liberal Judaism has evolved since it was co-founded by British visionary Lily Montague in 1902. This episode explores the theme of ritual and worship. In this episode, liberal Jews of all ages recall aspects of the synagogue service and the way it continues to change. The memories recorded here describe recent innovations such as the new prayer book. Others remember the early years of liberal Judaism. Recollections include the preferences of the individual synagogue, particularly in relation to the style of music at the services. In addition to these differences, over time and between congregations, individual liberal Jews also express their personal preferences in terms of their faith, belief in God, and feelings about inclusivity. Participants also consider how Lily Montague might regard liberal Jewish worship as it's practiced today. Their voices reflect the diversity and dynamic nature of liberal Judaism, which is often at the forefront of change and refuses to stand still. We don't go to the synagogue that often, but it's there. We've suddenly become a happy, clappy synagogue, which I personally like. I like the guitar, I like the singing, I like the jumping around, etc., etc. It's nothing like the synagogue it was in 1972, when very few people wore couples, very few people wore talitim. We've moved in one way more to the centre as far as the religion is concerned, but we've moved very much more to the left as far as beliefs are concerned. So it, the things have changed on both sides. In one way, we've become much more religious, i.e. observing what Judaism ordains as far as orthodoxy is concerned. In another way, we've, we are now way out. It's very different from when I was a child. It was much more churchy, a lot more of the, of the service was in English. You also had the influence of the organ. And what you found a lot of the congregation in those days was that they came to listen to the music and listen to the performances of the choir and the cantor rather than be involved in the services. And there was far less tradition. Design, for instance, in this synagogue now, I think I don't think in those days they would have liked it. Well, it does change originally, but um, I would say it basically remains the same. You have bits of Hebrew, then you had English, then you had the Hebrew blessing, and then you had the saw this Torah coming in, you read the Torah, and then you had that, then you had the sermon, and then we had the prayers for the sick and prayers for the dead, and a further blessing, and that was it. Men and women sat together, by the way. That was the main thing. It's changed a lot. When I first started, we had the original liberal Judaism prayer book, which went back to the 1920s, I think, or early 1930s, 
with thee and thou, and some of them still had George V in them as, as the monarch. And the services were mostly in English, with maybe the Shema and a couple of other prayers in Hebrew, and there'd be English hymns. And then we had, in 1967, we introduced nine Service of the Heart. I was, would have been 10 at the time, so I remember that being introduced. And it didn't have thee and thou, and it had a bit more Hebrew, actually quite a lot more Hebrew, really. And it had a prayer for Israel, and it was very different in feel. And that lasted till 1995, when we had yet another present, Sidor Sidolev Hadash, where we introduced gender-neutral language, which was seen as very radical at the time. There were a lot of people opposed, but enough people in favour of it. And it was more radical and also more traditional. So it opened from right to left, reintroduced some more traditional prayers. And I think most of our synagogues have much more Hebrew than they would have done. And they also, many of the service leaders will chant more rather than reading. I've been at liberal services when somebody's been there who obviously got an orthodox background and they'll do the shuffling, you know, backwards and forwards and so forth. And, and, and the, the, the real liberal Jew says, oh, that's terrible. How dare they do that? And a, a more amenable person will say, if, if they feel that's helpful, now they want to pray that way, why shouldn't they do it, you know? But if a person came along and said, I'll only go to this service if it's all in Hebrew, then no, that's, that, that's gone beyond what you should have. There are certain things in liberal Judaism it's, a, I think, it's sine qua non is the, is the Latin for it. It's something which we don't, won't have an exception to. I find services, to be honest, more and more meaningless, especially if they're in English. I like the emotion of the Hebrew, but I don't like the words of the English. So I go to all the social events. I go to the occasional service but I'm not nearly as committed as I was. So we try to support everybody to have the kind of Jewish life that they would want. And that I really, really value about um, the fact that we're a liberal community, certainly that we're a progressive community, that our services are shorter than Orthodox services, that we have flexibility about, we're, we're quite traditional in some ways um, in the way we use the liturgy. We do a lot of Hebrew, we sing a lot of traditional melodies, but we have the flexibility to be able to do more or less of our service in English and to make it as accessible as it needs to be to who's there that day. And yet we also really love the elements of our religious life, for example, which are very traditional. There's not often a guitar to be seen um, at our services, sometimes, but there's enough people who really don't like it that um, we don't do it so much. When our congregation, our Pete Tobias plays the guitar and I love it, but I know people who hate it and say so I'm not coming because it's going to be one of his guitar services. I equally like a service where, it's, where there isn't any music. Other people say, oh, it has to be a choir. Other people say, I don't like the choir because I don't want to listen to a performance. I, w I want, to, want to take part. So you, you, you just have to have parameters and, and stay within those. We said right from the start we were not going to have a choir. 
um, because then everybody sits back and it's the choir who mainly sings. So we very much had an attitude of we all join in somehow, whether you hum along or sing along or la 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 or whatever, and it would be in Hebrew and in English, you know. We always had it that I think intergenerational things are important. And also being in the kind of area of London we're in, it's very diverse. And so everybody who came is welcomed. Um, and now, you know, I mean, we've got United Nations really, you know, I mean, there's Jews from all over the place and friends who come and stuff. So it's it's very open, inclusive, but still very much keeping, you know, that it is a Jewish organisation and we take prayer and spirituality seriously and social things seriously. Previously, it was almost like literally anything goes. And I think, you know, you can go too far with this. I mean, if anything goes, what is the point? You know, they, so I do actually think the tradition is quite important, but obviously not to the extent where you put the women behind a curtain and tell people like me that we're not Jewish because our mums weren't Jewish. There's a huge spectrum, like anything, there's a spectrum. So for my personal view, I actually think that from what I can tell, having nothing to compare it to, but from what I can tell, I think the balance that is happening in my synagogue between tradition and liberalism, I think it's a really good balance because there is a tradition there. You know, people do wear kippers, I don't. I haven't worn a shawl or anything like that, but a lot of people do. There is a lot of the tradition that's there. There's a lot of the songs that are there, but obviously it's very open and inclusive as well. I think it's that sense of belonging to a community, like you're all there, you're all singing the same songs, if you can sing in Hebrew, which I'm learning. You're all connected to that same story. So it's part of being part of the people. And it's also knowing that these, some of these songs and some of these rituals are happening all over the world and have been happening for thousands and thousands of years. You know, so when you go and you know, open the Torah scroll and da, da 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 that's happening everywhere and always has done. And I think that's really powerful. I think I would like to have a bat mitzvah, an adult bat mitzvah. I've kind of talked that briefly with my rabbi, so I haven't got any plans in place yet, but I think, you know, I'd like to do that. Yuval gave me my second bat mitzvah when I was 80, 83. I had a lovely bat mitzvah in Southgate. And a lot of my friends from the Orthodox synagogue they said it wasn't what they expected. They'd expected liberal Judaism to be not what the service was. They said, okay, they cut prayers out with repetition, but all the prayers we say in United, the same prayers are said, but shortened version. I wasn't bar mitzvahed, I was confirmed and that was what was considered the route into sort of mature Judaism in those days. And that involved, it was, it was like Kabbalat Torah now. But I know that liberal Judaism was criticised then for the confirmation process, that it, it made it too much like the Christian confirmation. And more recently, but mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs have come back into fashion, I suppose. And both of my daughters were bat mitzvahed. I had a 
Benat Mitzvah with Esther, my twin. And we had the service and the party in a marquee in the Hurst Avenue playing fields. We split the kind of marquee into the service and party. Everyone who was invited to the party was invited to the service, which is also really nice because all my friends aren't Jewish could come and just see the service and it felt really, really special having everyone there and feeling like everyone was on your side. It wasn't anything too complicated. It didn't feel like it was closed to the people that couldn't read Hebrew or even had never even met somebody Jewish. It felt really special. And things have changed. Like I had my marriage blessed, but it couldn't be here, but it can be now. You know, people can have a blessing here if one partner isn't Jewish. I think in a lot of ways I'm, I'm maybe more engaged with the spiritual religious side than like some of my peers in the Judaism, but I think that's fine. I think because I'm really into kind of delving deep into Torah and doing a lot of intense Torah study and religious practice, which I think a lot of my peers, they like liberal Judaism for the reason that it gives them a space to engage in that when they want and also to have the community. But I think it's quite nice that both sides can exist within one space. Spirituality should not disappear and it's very easy to get all into Jewish learning but I think lots of people have enough intellectual stress and thing in their jobs and that the spiritual side and the artistic and cultural side are all part of being Jewish as well and that's what we've got to try and pass on. So I think there's a lot more work to do. I honestly don't know what I believe. I go to the services, I go to quite a lot of the services and I really enjoy the services. Um, I particularly like the singing. And I do believe in, it sounds really trite, I believe that there's something that's bigger than us. I wouldn't say I'm a secular Jew, exactly, but I'm probably more secular than religious but I enjoy a spiritual engagement with a, a possible God. <laughs> I never could and still can't believe in uh, a being, a personal God. So I find my connection by translating those concepts. So I translate, and I, you know, I don't think I'm the first Jew to have done this. You know, there have been proper Jewish thinkers in history who have theorized in this way too, and I've, you know, I've learned so much. Um, in that direction, but I can sort of use the word God, um, although I don't very much, but I use it with a, an instant translation in my mind of it being the universe or all that exists. To me, that's what God is, and that's how I translate it when I'm uh, in synagogue, and that's what I think of. So yeah, I wouldn't call it faith, because it's in a way, for me, it's not a belief, it's, uh, it's a connection. I had a great sense, even from quite an early age, of kind of connectedness, being more than just yourself. A, a sense of God as something we can't understand, but there's more to life than just us, uh, as in individual separate units. When I go to synagogue and I hear the music, I can feel quite tearful, really, about it, quite emotional, because it has such a strong 
memory for me of, of my childhood and my parents. But it doesn't really go any further than that, I don't think. For me, when I go to the synagogue, for example, I enjoy engaging with a good sermon and reflecting and having that space just to be sort of quiet and still and to be part of something. For me, it's about being part of a, a community that is there right then, at that moment, and that is part of my family and that is part of a bigger cultural group that makes me feel strong. And the most important thing for me is just more that sense of being part of the community and the people. And I think the ritual is kind of, it's a reflection of that, but it doesn't have to be that. It can just be like going to a book group or a social event or arguing about politics or something, you know? There's other ways that you can be part of that people without necessarily the ritual. But I think, you know, I wouldn't want the ritual, now that I found the ritual and now I'm doing it, I wouldn't want to not do it. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to lose that because I think it would lose something, but it's not everything, if that makes sense. I know that um, going to shul and letting go, however stressful things are, you can let go and get the flow going and, and, that, and have a good sing and, um, and you're hearing about the past and you're hearing about loving kindness and all these lovely things and you're going into yourself and you have the peaceful time, all that kind of stuff is very relevant to modern life. That idea of letting go and, um, and connecting to one another and doing good. That to me is what Judaism is all about. Because they were revolutionaries, they, you might say, threw out the baby with the bathwater. We became too left-wing, if you compare Orthodox Judaism and Liberal Judaism, right-wing and left-wing. We became too left-wing, we threw out too much very, very little Hebrew in the service. It was nearly all in English. We had a non-Jewish choir who sang all in English. So they went too far to the left, but probably as a revolutionary you have to. And I do feel the liberal movement has become too involved in degenderizing everything. I object in the Avino Malteno, to have it been translated, our parent, our sovereign. It's our father, our king. And if somebody female objects to that, I'm sorry, let her object. I'm co-editor of the new Siddur, and we've had a huge amount of opposition to what we're doing because we're meeting the needs of the age. We're producing a prayer book that is multivocal and not singular in its approach, that allows different voices to speak, that has feminized some of the Hebrew. They're saying, this is the age we're in now. Let's really, it's a lip service to the three M's. Let's really, really go back to the three M's and say, what would Lily Montague say today? And what I think she'd say, you're right, right on. And in fact, I saw it in my own kind of development, my own rabbinate with John Rayner when I was in his liturgy class. And we were trying to talk to him about the importance of inclusive language and that we're saying man and he was exclusive. And he was saying, no, 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 everybody knows it's inclusive, that it means everybody. Um, but then a few years later, at the ordination of um, Rabbi Miri Lawrence, as she was at the time, and Rabbi Elena Rothman at the LJS, and he basically said, I've learned from the women rabbis that have come through the college, and this is where we are now. And then produced a prayer book that was all inclusive in the English.
So John Rayner himself, Zichron Lalavracha, may his memory be for blessing, moved along. That's what I stay with as, as Lily's legacy. That's Lily's legacy. So it was quite funny when everybody's idea of liberal Judaism was slightly different. And that probably says something about liberal Judaism because it means there's, it, 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 there's a, a, a wide range of, of things that you do that, that there are certain things that you would never do, whatever your viewpoint was. Whether Lily Montague would recognise a, a, a service now would be an interesting point. I, I, she was a very open-minded woman. You're Jewish for a purpose. The purpose is an ethical purpose, not a ritual purpose. Um, it's exactly what the Hebrew prophets are saying. The Hebrew prophets never said, we don't want you to bring the sacrifices. They don't bring the sacrifices if you've stolen the stuff you're bringing for sacrifice from somebody else. And that's really what liberal Judaism is about. It's about saying uh, being Jewish is about creating a better world for everybody. It has, of course, ritual aspects, but above the ritual aspects, above the particular aspects even, of course, there's a balance to be struck, is a universal one. This podcast series of oral histories is part of the exhibition Lily's Legacy, Voices and Visions of Liberal Judaism, a project supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. It was produced by Mary Lawrence and Lucia Scazzaccio, sound editing and design by Lucia Scazzaccio, and special thanks to all the contributors who agreed to share their stories for more information about what you've just heard, do visit the exhibition website www.lillieslegacyproject.com.